Hey, does anyone like presents? Yeah? We can all agree? Everyone likes presents? You like getting gifts, right? Who likes the, does anyone have a friend, not, not a relative, but a friend who's just a gift giver and they're always giving you little trinkets? Or Has anyone got a friend like that that just is always giving you stuff? And is, Isn't that a cool friend? Mark, can you be more of a friend like that to me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he gives me golf pointers all the time. No, but it, gifts are fun, right? Yes. Yes? Oh, you're with me? Okay. So I want to talk about gifts today. And in your notes, you might see the word spirituals, and that'll make a lot of sense later. But we're going to talk about gifts. But I want, to, I want you to watch a video that we're going to queue up. Uh, I want you to wa watch this video. You, some of you may have seen it, but this is a video of people getting gifts, but not the kind of gifts we really want. And maybe not responding the way we should respond to gifts. So as we kill the lights, Gary, kill the lights, and then uh, let's play that video. And one more thing, before Christmas, we did something fun with the Turn children it up. of America. I asked any parents watching the show to wrap a uh, terrible Christmas gift, Blackout. give it to their kids, and then tape their reaction when they open the gift. <laughs> we got a lot of great videos. We put them together, and it became a huge hit online. The video's been viewed more than 15 million times on YouTube alone. And the really crazy slow. thing is, even though we're finished with this before we left for break on December 15th, people continued to do this to their children. <laughs> and posted online. Hundreds more videos were posted online after we left. So once again, we went through them and picked the best of the worst kids. And here now is the aftermath of our YouTube challenge. It's called, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I Gave My Kid a Terrible Present, Part Two. Here's your one present you get to open for Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's smelling good. She's gonna get here. Are you happy? Do you like your Christmas present? <laughs> what? What is it? Oh, why'd you throw it on the floor? It's a Barbie! <laughs> and you broke my heart. <laughs> you broke my heart. <laughs> Hopefully they got it right. <laughs> <laughs> they screwed it up. It's supposed to be Hester. Christmas Day, Santa will bring you a car. This is 
Get us some lights. Are they going to come up real slow? Hey, so, uh, yeah, have you ever had that happen in your house? Uh, someone not get the gift? I thought it was funny because uh, I wanted to talk about gifts today, and I thought about how sometimes we receive gifts in the wrong way, or we're not a very appreciative of it. But I love the kids that, had, that love their gift, you know, the deodorant one, the girl, she liked it, and the potato head. Great stuff. So I want to talk today uh, about the greatest giver of all time, and you can probably guess who that is. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit in our church. If you are, if this is your first time here today, or if you haven't been here for a while, we've been in, I think this is our sixth or seventh week in talking about the Holy Spirit. And we entitled our whole series um, called, Have You Heard? about the Holy Spirit. And we looked in the book of Acts and where uh, Paul ran into some disciples that have never heard of the baptism in the Holy Spirit to give power for ministry. And so he prayed for them and they were Christians. They loved Jesus. They were saved. And we came to the conclusion that today there's people alive that are Christians that believe in God, but have never heard of the Holy Spirit, that he's been given to us as an anointing and a power to not only do kingdom work, but to be transformed into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit's work on you, remember, is initially internally to develop the character of Christ in you and then to come upon you, the Holy Spirit empowers you to do work and to get that message out. And today I want to talk about spirituals. I know it's kind of a strange word, but it'll make sense later when we look at the Greek text in the letter to the Corinth church. But I want to talk about three people, three persons, but one God that give gifts. And number one, I want to talk about God is a gift giver. God is a gift giver. 
And like we saw in there, he's not given the credit gifts. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think, God, why did you put so-and-so in my life? Yeah, yeah, that's like getting broccoli. You know, you're, God, why are you? Sometimes we can see presents that don't seemingly seem right at first. But we know God is always a gift giver and a good gift giver. You know, if you look at Hebrews 11.6, the Bible says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. <clears throat> meaning God. For whoever would draw near to God, anyone here want to draw near to God? So we have probably a lot of, I would say, mo well, maybe not. Who wants to draw near to God? Okay. All right, just lift your hand up a little. You can just do this. If you want to draw near to God, he's talking to you. He says, for whoever wants to draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So God's saying, if you want to draw near, if you want to be with God, if you want to draw into a close personal relationship with him, if you want to become one with him, he's talking about salvation here, if you want to become one with God, you've got to believe two things. You've got to believe that he exists. Well, that's pretty easy, right? I mean, a lot of us, there's some atheists, I'm sure, that just don't believe that, but most people believe God exists. Not a difficult one. But then he says, and I think he could have said a lot of other things, but he said, you've got to believe that I'm a rewarder. You've got to believe that I'm a rewarder of those who seek me. And what he's saying is, you've got to believe that I want to give you gifts. I want to give you stuff. Not material only, but also that as well. God is a giver. And I want you to look at this because the word for reward in the Greek, in, the, in Hebrews chapter, or chapter 11, verse 6, the Greek word implies that the giving rewards, these, these type of rewards that God's talking about, is, is in the fact of keeping with his value system or emphasizing what the Lord's personal values are, and hence he's basing and determining the rewards on that. So the reward God gives you are to help us and to keep us in alignment with his value system, what he thinks as is important, right? So when you give gifts to your kids and, or you reward your kids, you're rewarding what? Good behavior. You're going to say, hey, if, you do something, if I tell you to do something and you do it, I'm going to reward you to reinforce that behavior. Well, God's saying the same thing, that as we conform to his likeness and his image, as we walk in obedience, God's going to bring rewards so that we have that behavioral pattern getting more and more like God. And thus, as we do that continuously, we draw near, right? So it's about becoming like God. And God rewards those who come into alignment with him. And I want you to think of that word and maybe circle that word when you fill it in your notes. God rewards those who come into alignment with him. <clears throat> because this relationship we have with God, the gift giver, is about coming into an alignment with the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way, the way he does things, the way he perceives things. God wants us to come and walk in alignment with him on how he's going to do things. We, as humans, we want to do it our way, Right? Burger King, have it done your way. It's all about my way, satisfying self, self-centeredness. I want to be happy. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. It's about me, me, me. No, but God says, look, I'm going to reward you to get you out of that fleshly thinking and into a spiritual mindset that says, as I align with God and the way he thinks, I will start becoming more like God. Are you with me? Becoming more like God. Wait, you want to, yeah, I want to be just like God. Yeah, I'm not going to ever be God, but I want to be just like my Father. 
I want someone to look at me and say, man, you are just like your father. I want to be that way how I love people, how I treat, how I give, how I serve, how I honor. I want people to recognize the heavenly father in me. And God rewards, he gives good gifts to those who come into alignment with him. Why? Because he's good. God is good. And you've heard that, and we've said a lot of things around that over the years in church, but do you really believe God is good? And do you believe that he is good towards you? If you don't believe God is good, then it's going to be very difficult to receive from God. Romans 8, 28, which we sang today, says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God is good, and he's going to work everything to your good. And you have to, foundationally as a Christian, you have to believe that going in to that relationship, else you'll screw up the whole relationship. If you don't get that principle good down, that God is good, and he has good intentions for you, then you'll never get the scriptures. You'll never understand the law that was supposed to direct us towards Christ, that none of us could fulfill, but the law is holy. And it's actually beautiful if you see it from the perspective of God, because you have to believe he's good. And the enemy has been lying since day one, trying to get you and me and Adam and Eve to believe that he's not good, that he's withholding something from us, that he's trying to keep us from experiencing fun things on this earth or doing things on this earth that might be world, considered worldly but, look, but, but kind of tempt us. But the enemy from the beginning is trying to tell Adam and Eve, God's holding something back from you. That one tree... I'm telling you, if you eat that, it's, you're going to be just like God. He just didn't want you to have that because he's trying to keep something from you. Do you see the enemy's tactics? And he does the same thing. He did the same thing with Christ when he says, is he really your father? Are you really a son? Questioning, is God really good? Is God, do you really belong to God? And he's doing it with you guys today and me. He's trying to tempt us and lure us into thinking that maybe God is going to be good, but maybe not as good as he will to others. He maybe not be that good to me. Maybe he's lying to you, thinking that some of the things in your life, you, you know, I've seen people get mad at God for stuff. You know, I've seen people blaspheme his name, make fun of Christians, don't, aren't involved in, in, in any church, and then someone gets sick in their family and dies, and then they get mad at God. And it's amazing to me, because that's the world's mindset, is that God isn't good, that he's out to get you, he wants to control you, he, wants to, he just wants worshipers, he wants people that just come and bow down to him, and he's got some ego trip. But no, God is good. And from the very beginning, God did this whole deal just for you to see you in your fullness, 
to have you grow and to become a co-heir with Jesus Christ, to grow up in maturity and use every gift that he's built in you before you were born. God made you. He fashioned you. He put gifts in you. He put talents. He put all kinds of wonderful things in you before you were even born because he is good and he wants to see you come into full fruition. He wants to see you grow up in Christ and make a difference in this world, church. He wants you to make a difference and everyone in this room, excluding no, not one person in this room, everyone has gifts to give, has talents that can help the kingdom of God be fulfilled. And if you're sitting here today thinking you don't have enough or you're not good enough, that's a lie from hell. I rebuke it in Jesus' name and I speak freedom over your mind right now to receive from God the written truth of his plan for you, which is good. And he loves you. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to do greater things than he did with his own son he wants to do in you because he's good. I was praying for my mom this morning. If you don't know, she's battling breast cancer. And we just are actually on the last day of a 21-day fast for her praying. A lot of people praying and believing. And God's been speaking and doing great things. And this morning, um, God reminded me something very important that he wants her whole and healed more than me. Think of that. God is good. My Father in heaven wants my mom completely whole and well more than I do. Hmm. Raises a lot of questions about healing, which we're going to talk about in the late summer and fall. But won't get into that right now. God is good. It is difficult to receive from someone who is not good. It's very difficult to receive from someone who's not good. So if your mindset is that God is holding back from you or doesn't like you or is mad at you or is bummed out about your behavior and you think God's all angry at you, you are not going to be able to receive him. So today, I want to say to you, God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. All of his anger and wrath, he put on Christ. All of it. All of it, past, present, and future, everything you've done and will do has been put on all the wrath for the anger of, towards all the evil that you would do in your life. God poured that out on Christ, punished him for it so that you could have freedom. Amen. So I want to tell you that today that you're free, guys. God loves you. He's not mad at you. And he loves you so much, he's not going to let you stay the same. Amen. Some people are like, well, I, want to, I, I love God. If he's good, then he should just let me do what I want to do. No, but that's not love. No. Love is not tolerance. That's a whole nother subject. <laughs> yeah, me and my wife are like, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. So it's difficult. So today, know that God is good because God's a giver and he is good. And that's the foundation of receiving from God. And in fact, if you want more power in your life, if you want the Holy Spirit moving in your life, if you want to start praying for people and them get healed, if you want to start believing for uh, people to get saved and actually lead them to Christ in the sinner's prayer and lead, you know, disciple them, really do stuff in the kingdom, you got to start off with changing your heart and your mindset that, nope, God's good. My, just put the good filter on. Nope, God's good. I don't care what I see. The Bible says don't walk by what you see. That will deceive you. You walk by his word and by faith in what God said, and he's good. So that's your filter. You've got to have that as your foundation. But God is a, give, a gift giver. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is a gift giver too. Listen to this as we talk into, about the Holy Spirit and him giving gifts. 
what the Foursquare Declaration of Faith says regarding spiritual gifts, right? So the Holy Spirit came, right? The Holy Spirit is God. We talked about that earlier. He's not just some ambient cloud, mist, breath, steam thing that floats around, right? The Holy Spirit is God. God the Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. So let's make that clear. We're not talking about a secondary God, or we're not talking about multiple. It's a one God, three person outworkings in one God. But this is what our Foursquare Declaration, this is a Foursquare Church, that simply means it was founded by Amy Sybil McPherson, and it was founded on a Pentecostal Holy Spirit-filled type of uh, theology and belief system that is very, very scriptural as we've been studying. And it says this, we believe that the Holy Spirit has the following gifts to bestow upon the believing church of the Lord Jesus Christ, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, that according to the degree of grace... And faith possessed by the recipient, these gifts are divided to every person individually as he, the Holy Spirit, wills. That they are to be earnestly desired and coveted in the order and proportion wherein they prove most edifying and beneficial to the church. Wow. Amen. That's the theology of how our denomination, our church group, views the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I 100% in agreement with that, not because they said it, but because it's in alignment with the word of God. Yeah. That's what God's word says and teaches. So we need the gifts, not just so the church grows, or not just to have something, but we need it to help people get free from the devil's grip. The reason the Holy Spirit is a gift giver is because you and me need gifts to do what God's called us to do. God hasn't called us to grow a big church, although it may be big. God hasn't called us to show up on Sundays and just go through the motions. God hasn't called us to put bumper stickers on a car that say, honk if you love Jesus, right? God's called you and me to set captives free. God's called you and me to get free ourselves and apply God's word to our life, and then go help other people get free from the bondage of hell. Isaiah 61 makes it clear. Jesus said that's the reason he came. Jesus said himself, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said that. And then Jesus said, go do what I'm doing. Amen? And so that's why the Holy Spirit is, gives us gifts, because without those gifts, we can't do what he's called us to do. Listen to this out of a, a Pentecostal theology uh, book about this subject. It says this about the gifts and about the apostles and the early church needing these gifts as we need them today. It says they had a divine work to do and they had divine power with which to do it. Thus, it must always be talking about you and me today. The church's mission is much more than propagating a new philosophy or calling a new morality, it is delivering men and women from the bondage of Satan. It is binding and loosing in the name of Jesus, Matthew 16, 19. Philosophizing and moralizing can be done with mere human capabilities, and such is not unimportant, but delivering from bondage and bringing to repentance and faith requires an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need it, church. You need these gifts. You need the Holy Spirit in your life and you creating the character of Christ. You need the Holy Spirit upon you as a baptism of power. 
And then in and through that, you need his gifts because he's freely giving, guys. Holy Spirit's not holding back. He's not holding back one bit. If you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit working in you, that's on your side of the equation, not on God's. A lot of us, we're sitting here waiting. Oh, God, do this, do that. Make me this way. Help me do that, da, da, da. And God's like, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. So God calls on us for his partnership, our partnership to work with him. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 says this. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. So God has enabled you and me, has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. We are to administer Jesus Christ's new covenant in our lifetime in this world today. We are to be about his business, which is introducing people to Christ so they can see the benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the new covenant. The covenant has blessings in it has promises that are all yes and amen to us, but we are made sufficient by the Holy Spirit and the gifts he's given you to go be ambassadors of this new covenant to help people understand that and come into it. Are you with me? That's every person is called to do that. Not just a pastor. Not just the worship team. Everybody in this room is called to be an ambassador to be, and is made sufficient to minister the new covenant. God wants you to minister the new covenant, not just parts of it, all of it. Are you with me? Every good part of it. Don't withhold anything. Why? Because God's good. He wants good for you. He's come, Jesus said, to give you a life and that life more abundantly. Do a word study on that word and you'll be, you'll be messed up for a week. <laughs> The gifts, today we're talking about gifts. The gifts' purpose is to bring freedom and change. Don't ever forget that. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are to bring freedom and change. So let's define this word spiritual gifts. What does it mean? In 1 Corinthians 12, that's where we first see this word. And it talks about it a lot in 12 and even 14 and even in the other epistles from Paul. The spiritual gifts are talked about over a hundred different times. And yet many theology books and people spend very little time on the spiritual gifts. But I want you to, I want you to look at something interesting that kind of took me for a little surprise as I was studying and really getting into this. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, Paul's talking, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I want to go back to that first line, though, because this is important. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. If you look at that in the Greek context, however, you won't find a word for gifts. There is no Greek word for gifts in there, which is interesting. Why the translators chose to put gifts on there. If you look at this word that Paul's saying, the better translation for it instead of spiritual gift is really spirituals. 
And that's why I entitled there on your notes, spirituals. It's a funny word. We don't use it much. But it, can't, it means spirituals or things of the spirit. It means a person. It's the person who is allowing the spirit to flow through. Because, see, when we say spiritual gifts, it means a gift. Someone, Dale, gives me, I give her a gift. You have a gift. It's mine. Here, give me that. Give me it back. It's hard to give gifts. So Dale gives me a gift. Thank you. This is my gift. My precious. So we can get very dysfunctional very quick if we see this context of now discerning spiritual gifts. Don't be unaware you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So we can, be, we can get very mixed up if we look at it like that. It's more speaking to the person or the vessel in whom the gift is flowing through. So this, and this is so important, guys, in your thinking of spiritual gifts and working in the Holy Spirit. Because I know most Christians want to grow. I mean, don't raise your hands, but most of us say, yeah, I want to grow in the Holy Spirit and the gifts that are flowing through me, right? Don't we all want to get better at that and, and see more of that? I mean, I'm talking to someone who, man, wouldn't it be awesome sometimes to see in the spirit realm, like the real, like where you could see everything that's going on? And we're like, yeah, I don't know. I might get scared and wet my pants or something, you know? But, but you know, we all want more of the spirit. We want to see God. We want to be in his presence more and more. But we have to understand that having spiritual gifts is about being a vessel. It's about you submitting yourself so fully to God that he can flow through you and use you in any way, at any time, any place. Okay? And so that's the essence of walking in the gifts and using the gifts and being used in the gifts has to start with this principle, this concept that you have to be the person who's going to be a vessel. F.F. Bruce, a commentator, said about 1 Corinthians, about this word, as referring to the persons endowed with spiritual gifts. So it is about the person who's getting this gift, but yet it's the vessel in which the Holy Spirit flows through. Look at um, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. Now in a great house, I still, pages rustling on, 2 Timothy 2, 20, 21. So in this letter to Timothy, Paul says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful for the master of the house, ready for every good work. So church, this is about you and me choosing what type of vessel we're going to be. Are we going to be a vessel that is unhinderingly allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through us, or are we going to be a dishonorable vessel with attitude, with fear, with self-centeredness, with unforgiveness, with all this bondage? You know, the more junk you get in a pipe, it gets clogged up, right? And so an honorable vessel is ridding themselves of all the things that make it dishonorable so that it becomes an honorable vessel used for the master to pour when and wherever and however he sees fit. Yeah. 
whatever time, and he can pour out as much as he wants. He can pour the whole thing out if he wants. But if you want to walk in the spiritual gifts, if you want spirituals, You've got to be a spiritual being that says, God, this body, this mind, this soul belongs to you. And I'm going to come in. Remember we said alignment was important. I'm going to come into an alignment with your word so that when you speak to me, I recognize your word and I allow it to flow right through and speak to somebody. You know, sometimes we think of the gift of prophecy as, oh, the prophet. No, prophecy is simply speaking forth God's word with boldness. And speaking forth with, with fullness of God and not being afraid of what the hearer does or says. So you can all prophesy one to another. You can turn around and prophesy to your friend right now. Turn to your friend, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is Lord. Now say it like you mean it. You just prophesied. You're speaking and declaring the truth of God. Amen? And so we need to come into an alignment. Spiritual gifts are less about what you do and more about who you are. It's not about you, what you do and the, oh, he works in this gifting. Oh, he does, gives words of wisdom. Oh, they do tongues interpretation. Oh, that person preaches good. This person, that, spiritual gifts are not about that. The Holy Spirit didn't, isn't dispensing himself in your life so that you have something or can do something, he's doing it because you're the person, that's your character, that's, your, that's the way you work. You've chosen to be, no, this is about who I'm going to be. I am God's holy vessel. I am not going to be dishonorable. I'm going to be set apart for God's work. Think about this. This is in your notes. God chose you. He chose you to give this gift to you. He chose you to manifest his power to others. That's an honor, guys. What a privilege to know that God chose you. Not your neighbor, not me, you. He chose you. He chose you to manifest his power to others. And you can't manifest the power of God until you become an honorable vessel. Until you choose in your heart to renew your mind, to cleanse your mind, to build up, I would say, strongholds in the good way. If you were here, we did a a series on spiritual warfare and we built a demonic spiritual stronghold and it was called suicide and we saw how the lower parts of the wall were lies that the enemy would put in and build up to where there was a stronghold it was a you can get it online but it's a powerful illustration of of God uh, and and how he can break down walls that the enemy's built up and just like a stronghold from the enemy is, you know, a stronghold is very simple. It's just a bunch of lies that the enemy's spoken in your life, in your heart, and that you've come into an agreement with. So that's what a stronghold is. Whatever you can put it, whatever label you want on it, but it is formed and fashioned and built up by many spoken lies that you believed and you see now as truth. And when you believe a lie is truth, you give your power over to the enemy. Okay? That's simple 101, uh, spiritual warfare. However... We can do the opposite. You know, the devil always copies God. So a lot of times, you know, you remember that old song, some of you Christians, the, why has the devil got all the good music? Remember that? It, I looked at Greg, sorry. I didn't mean you were old or anything, but I knew you would know the song. But, you know, the enemy always takes what is good and God created and tries to manipulate it and turn it and make it wicked and, and make it desirable for others to do. But he always takes what God did initially and then manipulates it and twists it. But in the same way, guys, these strongholds of hell that, that are in a lot of your lives right now, that have, you've, you've believed lies for so long. Some of you have believed lies 
from when you were a little kid about what your father said to you and what your mom said to you or what friends said to you and you still have that in your heart and you believe those lies so long that you have a wall built up in your heart towards God and, and he's not able to flow through you correctly. But the cool thing about God is that he can not only demolish those walls, but he can build a, a stronghold of Holy Spirit in you, which is a, a bunch of true statements from the throne of God that you believe and agree with in your heart. And so if you want to be strong in the Lord, get in his word, memorize his word, digest his word, eat it, feast on it, let it go into your mouth and down in your bellies so it can just get in your, your heart and your mind, your body, every part of you, and become part of you. God chose you to manifest his power to others. You know, people get caught up in not knowing their gifts or not feeling confident to operate in spiritual gifts without realizing that the best way to operate in your gift is what Chris said this morning, not even knowing this, but he said it in one of his, between a song or something, he said, get out of the way. He said, Lord, help us get out of the way so you can shine forth. The best way you can operate in your gift, the best way you can be a vessel of honor, the best way you can put spirituals in your life, which means you're going to be a, a Holy Spirit vessel, a conduit for his power, is to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way in your thinking. You hinder God by the thoughts you agree with, by the belief system you have in your heart. You hinder you get in his way. You clog up the drain by believing lies and not being in his word, not knowing what the word says. The Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. People don't understand that when you believe a lie, you clog the pipe. And God can't flow through you. And you get that, that pipe unclogged by repenting and turning from sin and um, uncovering the lies and calling truth in. I mean, that's a simple form, but that's what it is in its essence. Are you with me? So I'm telling you, church, that the best way to operate, and if you want to be full of the Spirit and you want spiritual gifts, man, get your mind out of the way and renew your mind to God's Word. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Get in there. Get the Word to, the Bible says, it will wash you. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit full control? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to, be, to fill you? Ephesians 5 says this. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is key, guys, in understanding this principle. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Are you with me? So, what does too much alcohol do? You lose control. You're not in control of what you're doing and saying, and that's not a good thing, right? So Paul says, instead of allowing something else to control you and fill you and use you, why don't you be filled and controlled and used by the Holy Spirit? Okay? So it's about filling. It's about fullness. It's about full yielding to the Holy Spirit. Allowing, think of it this way, be drunk in the Spirit. Be so controlled, so inebriated, so filled, so intoxicated 
with the Holy Spirit and his word, his presence, his anointing, that you cannot help but just to do what God's will is. It'll be natural to you. You won't even really have to think. Once you get so into God and his word is hidden in your heart, like King David said, so that I won't sin against him, that pretty soon you'll just be, your thoughts will start becoming just like God. You'll start thinking just like God. Do you know that you're, you can change your mind? It'll be, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, can be transformed into thinking the way he thinks. That's what it says. It says, don't be conformed into the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then what? You'll know his will. You'll know what he's thinking. You'll know what his plans are. You'll be, you'll be coming united with God, not only in spirit, because that happens at, at the rebirth, but then your mind and your soul begins to come into alignment with your spirit, and all of a sudden you start having thoughts like God has. And that's God in you, the hope of glory. And that's God in you that wants to come out of you and bless other people. It's good stuff. So let's look at three words really quickly for this, though, that, and I want to get out there because I think they're starting to cook hamburgers. <laughs> they're probably cooking just sitting out there and it's probably hot enough. But the purpose of the gifts, I want to look at three descriptive words really quickly about the gifts. And, and I'm going to read a couple verses that have this word, uh, one of the main words I want to talk about, which is to build up. But uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 12, he makes it pretty simple. He says, so with yourself, since you are, are, are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Ephesians 4, 29, one of my favorite verses says this, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good as for building up as it fits the occasion that it may have grace to those who hear it and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You know, the Greek word for, filling, uh, for building up here is used, and that Greek word in your notes there uh, is ekadome, which means the act of building walls or houses. And it's interesting, and I want you to see this word because it's a fun word study, that that word is broken up into two Greek words, and, and under that is um, oikos, which means a house or household, and then under that is doma, or it's pronounced thoma in the Greek, the, the roof of a house or the top of a house. So here we have a, wor a word called to building up people by your words. Don't let any filthy communication, don't let any bad words come out of your mouth that would tear someone down. And so it says only to build up with these words. So the word for this means to build up to the roof or to build up to completion. It's building something to make it whole and complete. Are you talking that way to your family? Do the words out of your mouth, are they building someone up to complete them in Christ, or are they maybe ripping something out? Are they negative? Do they put people down? Because you see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to be a spiritual, to be a vessel of God working through, you've got to have words coming out of your mouth that are building up people to complete them not tear them down. I know we're all guilty of it. By the look on some of your faces, I know, maybe even this morning, you said something. Rachel? No. She's like, no. <laughs> Kidding. But guys, we have to make sure that we are using the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us to allow them to flow through us to build others up, to make sure that our words are encouraging. Do you say, I don't know, husbands and wives, I, I, I need you to, 
I need you to build your spouse up. I need you to think of your spouse as you're building that person up to completion, not ripping them down, not complaining, not gossiping. Do you, do you complain about people when they're not around? That would be the opposite of building up. That would be tearing down. You're getting the picture, right? It's kind of an intense word, but it's a freeing word knowing that God says that this is what the spiritual gifts do. They need to build up, not tear down. The gifts are to be used. The Spirit of God flowing through you should always be used to build someone up to complete them. If it's not, you're not operating in the Holy Spirit. Another word is exhortation. Number two there, and this means to encourage, come alongside and motivate. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Who does that sound like? It does, huh? You know, what's interesting is this, the Greek word is related to the paraclete, meaning come alongside. The same word for exhortation is the same word, but just a few off. But it has the same roots in it. It's a relative of the Holy Spirit. It's talked about when Barnabas came and encouraged the church. It's about someone that comes along and helps out and encourages and builds up. It's kind of very similar to, uh, to building up as well, but it's one that comes alongside to help. In fact, in, uh, the, this word means where Barnabas came in and he stirred up and motivated believers to do God's will. So think of that. Exhortation is about stirring up and motivating other people to do God's will. And that's when you're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit working through you. You should be building up. And, and if you're encouraging people to do God's will, you're walking in the Spirit, right? So your life should be about helping them do the things of God. And the last word is comfort. The word comfort here in, in the scriptures means to soothe, console. And because we are in a war church, we're, there's people going to get hurt. We're all going to get hurt. It's not a question of whether you get hurt or not. It's how are you going to respond when you get hurt? And that's why part of the gifts of the Spirit is to bring comfort. We have a lot of things happening. We have people getting beat up by the enemy. We have uh, jobs. We have all kinds of relational issues going on in every church. And part of the gift of the Spirit, when you're as a vessel of God, you're allowing comfort. You're going to go along and you're going to cry with somebody. You're going to laugh with somebody. You're going to encourage them and build them up. Holy Spirit's a good gift giver, isn't he? Yes. And let's move on to our last one. I saved the best for last. Well, not really. You know, Jesus was a giver too. He gave the highest gift. He gave it all. He gave himself. There's a war memorial that says, all gave some and some gave all. And that for sure is Christ, because he not only gave his physical body, he gave up, like we prayed this morning, T, he gave up heaven to come down. He gave up perfection to come down and die for you and me, to take on our pain. The curse of the law was placed on Christ. He gave himself the best gift you could ever give. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The, Jesus is the person. He is the gift. Yes. Ephesians 2.8 says, for, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Jesus is the gift. John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. 
and that life more abundantly because he is the gift. John 10, 17 says, The Father loves me, and because I give up my life so I may receive it back again, no one takes my life from me. He says, I give it up willingly. Jesus gave his life because he wanted to, and he gave it thinking of you, Thousands of years before you were born, he knew you. He knew you in your mother's womb before that, and God chose and to go down here, take our penalty, and he saw your face, and he said, I'm willing. I'm willing. I love you. I'm willing. You're worth it. You're more than precious than this. You're, you're great. I Are you with me? Church, I'm telling you, God loves you. He is the gift. Romans 10.9 says, but if you confess... With your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in all your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the classic verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He's a gift giver, guys. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's a giver. He gave the Holy Spirit. He gave the Son and now he's calling you and me to receive it and then to be givers just like him and start giving out in our life. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful for your gifts. Father, we're so thankful for the gift of Jesus. Oh, we're so thankful, Lord, that you sent him to die in our place. And we're so thankful, Father, for you sending the Holy Spirit upon us to help us live this life, to be pleasing to you, to be conformed and to be a vessel. Oh Lord, we want to be a vessel. So God, we thank you so much for that. And with every head bowed and eye closed right now, maybe you're here this morning and you like gifts, and, but you've never received the gift, the ultimate gift. And the ultimate gift is Jesus. And if you've never received Jesus before, today in your heart right now, it's stirring. And you would say in your heart, yeah, you know what? I do want that gift. He sounds like a wonderful God. And he is good. If that's you this morning and you would say, Pastor Doug, I want to I receive that gift of Jesus. I'm going to have you just raise your hand real quick. We're not going to call you out or embarrass you. We just want you to... I want you to acknowledge that, that that's you, and I'm going to pray with you after service. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, yeah, that's me. Raise your hand up. I want Jesus. I want the greatest gift of all time. Anybody here this morning, don't be afraid. God has great plans for you. He loves you. Everything he's working out for you is good. Is there anyone here this morning would say, Pastor Doug, that's me. I want the greatest gift. I see your hand. Anybody else? Lift your hand up and say, I have not received that gift and I need to receive that. You know, all the gifts rely on the one gift. You can't have any other of the gifts until you get the gift. Everything must flow through Christ. So if you haven't made that commitment and you wanted this morning, I would just encourage you to raise your hand if that's you. Anybody else? Just want to give a moment. Father, help us be a gift to the world this week. Help us be a gift to our spouse this week. Help us be a gift at our workplace this week, God. 
Lord, help us be a gift just like you were. Give us the strength, the wisdom to do it. And Lord, we know that's going to bring you glory and it's going to show off to the world how much you love us and how much you love everyone. So we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. amen.